Okay, we're starting here on the top of Zion number Aleph. We're speaking back to the Tosefta again. Tosefta gave a list of items that were classified as a Carmelite. It says Yam, Bika, Istanit, and then Carmelite. The Gemara here wants to understand how could it be that those are examples of a Carmelite, and then a Carmelite is an example of a Carmelite. How does that work? Gemara says, Va Carmelite, Atakulu, Nami, Lav, Carmelite, Ninu. What do you mean a Carmelite? All of those items are listed as a Carmelite. <speaking in Hebrew> It's talking about a corner of a house that is close to the Rishut Rabim. Even though there are periods of time where the Rabim will push into that area, since it's not, or it does not have ease of use, it's not classified as a Rishut Rabim, but rather as a Carmelite. This is similar to what we saw before by the Stav, the Istvanit, all of these examples where it's accessible to the Rabim, it's part of the public domain, but it doesn't have ease of use. There's something that's inhibiting the use of this area. So over there was the colonnades. It was the merchants that were causing the problem. Over here, the Carmelite is being inhibited by the nature of the space that's allocated to the Rabim. Rashi gives two explanations of it. One explanation is that a person has, along the face of Rashut Rabim, he has a wall, and he brings the wall inward on an angle. By bringing the wall in on an angle, and then having something that butts out, it's going to cause that the area is adjacent to the Rishut Rabim, and people can go there, but nobody's going to walk there all the time, because they're going to bump into the end of the wall when they hit that adjacent piece that is sticking out. Or in a Karen Zavit, where he allocated at the corner of his house, he allocated some of that space to the Rishut Rabim, but it's again, it's not easy to use because the other wall sticks out, or something blocks the ease of use of that corner. So because of that, it classifies as a Carmelite, and not a Rishut HaRabim. Ki Rabdimi, Am Rabbi Yochanan, Ben Amudim Nidon Ki Carmelite. Between the Amudim has a din like a Carmelite. My time, what's the reason here? I'll explain this in one second. Apagav the Darse Barabim. Even though the public does go through there, Kevlo Demistage Duhu Behedja Ki Carmelite Damya. Since it's not a clear flow of traffic, an open, clear flow of traffic, that is not considered to be a Shut Rabim, rather a Carmelite. The Amudim are, based on what Rashi explains here, they are Amudim Berachavav Tolim Behen Atagrim Pragmatia. They were poles upon which the merchants hung their merchandise. They were selling posts in the Rishut HaRabim. Besides that, there were low colonnades, benches, something in front of them, on which the merchants sat, while they sold their merchandise, their wares, that they hung on these poles. So these poles are distributed in the middle of the Rishut Rabim. And the statement that Rabdim Yavriyokhanan says that the space between the poles, even though there's nothing inhibiting that area, and the public does travel through that area because it is a thoroughfare, the problem is that it's just not easy to use. You have to wind your way between the merchants, you have to wind your way between the poles, the boat, and therefore it's classified as a Carmelite. Right, the car though is more clear down the middle. See, in the middle area, it's clear. Here it seems to be like it was an area that was distributed randomly amongst the public area, somewhere akin to what they do at an airport. When you go out towards the gate, they force you to walk between the stores and wind your way through the stores so that you obviously would buy things. The same idea, that you have merchants that are there, and they make it so that you can't just walk a straight line to where you want to go. You have to wind your way between the merchants. The benches or low colonnades areas that are in front of the Amudim, they have a din of a Carmelite. Obviously, this is in distinction to what we just saw from Rabbi Yochanan, who says, Ben Amudim, any space between the Amudim is classified as a Carmelite. 
Over here, Ramzeira Miruda says it's only the eats the boat. Only places that are taken away from the actual public domain are considered Carmelite. But the space between them is classified as a Rishut Rabim. So Umar says, the Mandam are Ben Amudim. The one who says Ben Amudim, that's Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Dima, Rabbi Yochanan, Koshkein Itzdeba. Of course, the Itzdeba is classified as a Carmelite because you can't walk there. These are areas that are raised or platforms that are above the ground level. Of course, that's considered a Carmelite. The Mandamai Itzdeba, the one who says that the Itzdeba is classified as a Carmelite, Itzdeba hu delo nechet hashmishtei. The Itzdeba is not easy to work with, meaning that it's above the ground, it's a platform, it's a bench. You don't usually walk there. It causes difficulty in your ability to maneuver. Aval bena mudim, in the space between the merchants, there, the nechet you can use it, lo... In that case, it will not be classified as a Carmelite because it's accessible to the Rabim. People pass through there. Lishna Achrina, another way to express this is Two different ways to formulate it. One way to formulate it is that between the Amudim is easy to use. I mean, everything is relative. Relative to the Amudim themselves and the Itzdebaot, the space in between is easy to use and therefore is classified as a Rishut Rabim. The other way to express it is because came in the Darsilei Rabim, Kirishut Rabim Damya. Since the Rabim expand into that area, when necessary, they use it, or they're forced to utilize that area, and becomes a Rishut Rabim, or is classified as a Rishut Rabim. What's interesting here, Tosafot is trying to deal with this issue, which is that we already know that the definition of Rishut Rabim is 16 amot wide, and then you have to have question, we talked about this before yesterday, whether you need 600,000 people. But just with the 16 amot wide classification here, you have a problem. These Amudim knock down the size of the road, and it's no longer 16 amot wide. So Tosvot says over here, Even though between the merchant stalls there aren't 16 amot, it's still classified as a Rishut Rabim. They push through that area. And if you just imagine that the amudim weren't there, the stalls weren't there, it would be 16 amot. So it does what it's saying is that it has the qualification of the 16 amot with, if you imagine the Yamudim not being there. Then when the Yamudim are there, that doesn't diminish the fact that there's 16 amot. Just makes it more difficult to use the 16 amot. And that's basically what the machloket is here between Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yochanan says, well that difficulty makes it that it's no longer Rishut Rabim. Because it doesn't have the full width of the 16 amot, the full ease of the 16 amot. On the other hand, Rabbi Yehuda says, that's the way the Rabim's going to move. That's, this is the thoroughfare. There's no other way to access through here, and therefore, since everybody's going to move through there, that is classified as a Rishut Rabim now. Here, it doesn't, this doesn't seem to be similar to what we saw before, what David just mentioned, by the Stavak, the Cardo, where there's an allocated space on the side. This seems to be more that it's distributed amongst the, randomly, or in the middle of the road. It's not like it's on the side of the road. There's an, You have a brick that is standing up in the Rishut Rabim, and he throws it, It sticks to the face of the brick, then you're chayav. On its back, if it sits on top of the brick, then you are patur. So this comes to the definition of a makom tur versus Rishut Rabim. What we're discussing here is throwing something, Daladamot Rishut Rabim. So you have to have akira that it leaves, and then a hanacha where it settles somewhere. So the idea here of being tach that it sticks to the face of the brick is that it settles. Kamara is going to deal with that at the end of today's daf. We're talking about something like a dvela, something that's sticky that can stick onto the face of the brick, and therefore that will be considered its hanacha. What is the difference between the face of the brick and the top of the brick? Is 
Something's only classified as a Carmelite or a Makom Tour if it is a Makom Misuyam. It has to be a defined area that has utility. As Rashi explains over here, as they have specific utility, has to be useful. That's the top of the brick. On top of the wall. On top of some sort of colonnade or pillar. But when you're talking about the face of an object, that is not considered to be a makom misuyam. It's not a defined area of utility. And therefore, it does not have a classification of makom tour or karmelit. So here, this brick that's standing there, if it hits the face of the brick, it's considered as if you're still in the Rishut Rabim. And if that is a distance of four amot, you're in violation of carrying four amot in the Rishut Rabim. And then and if it lands on the top surface of the brick, then you are patur, because you've landed on a makom patur. Landed on an area that is defined, has utility, but is not Rashut Rabim anymore. So now you've thrown from Rashut Rabim into Makom Ptur, that is not a problem. Now we're going to have to define the dimensions here, exactly what's happening, and that the Gemara will do right now. It has to be at least three Tfachim off the ground, the low Darsi La Rabim, so that the Rabim don't trample it. Because if it's less than three Tfachim off the ground, the assumption is that it's part of the Rashut Rabim. It's part of the topography of the Rishut Rabim. Rishut Rabim is not always so flat. It has obstacles in it. As long as the obstacles are below three Tfachim, people will step on it or step over it, and it'll be fine. As soon as it gets above three Tfachim, then it's already considered to be a separate area from Rishut Rabim. So in order to gain its independence from the Rishut Rabim, to be a Makom Tur or a Karmelit, it has to be at least three Tfachim high. And Rashi notes that a brick is three by three, and its thickness has no definition. We don't know how thick the brick is, but it's at least 3 by 3. And a brick being 3 by 3, then we know that the top of the brick area, if it's sitting up on its side, right, the brick's not laying flat, it's up on its side, then it's at least 3 tfachim above the ground here, because the brick is a minimum of 3 tfachim high. So that area has to be above 3 tfachim in order to gain independence from the Rishut Rabim. Below 3 is not. Aval, Hizmi Vihigi, if you have Hizmi as a sneh, it's like some sort of shrub. And the higi is kutsim or thorns. Afagab losha. Even if they're not three tfachim high, they still gain independence from Meshut Rabim because of their difficulty to traverse. Nobody wanna walk, wants to walk through a shrubbery or through thorns, so therefore they're going to walk around them. By doing that, they gain independence from Meshut Rabim. Even these situations, people will trample over them, they'll stomp over them, eventually they'll get crushed, and then nobody will mind walking over them. If you're talking about dung or excrement, that nobody wants to step into, and therefore it gains independence, even though it doesn't have that requisite three tfachim. Even if there's dung or excrement there, people walk through it, and therefore you still need three tfachim in order to gain independence from the Rishut Rabim. So that's one thing that we have to say here, is that it's above three tfachim. The other thing that... We have to define here is when it sticks to its face. The Rabbeinu Tam says, if it's above three tfachim, that the face of the brick has to be four by four tfachim at a minimum in order for it to stick to the face as a classification as being part of the Rishut Rabim. Because if not, then it's as if it didn't land on the brick. The brick has to have some sort of significance to say that when it landed there, it landed on something. If it's less than three tfachim, then it didn't land on anything. It's like hanging out in the air. If it's four by four, the Rabbeinu Tam says that's enough to give it significance that when it lands on there, it's called to be nach, to settle. No, we don't know whether it's not even traveling through the earth, it's just sitting there. All right, so the Riva agrees with Shoal and says, I don't understand. You don't need four by four. Kevin Shiru'eta Karka, 
Since it sees the ground, I mean the, the ground space is below it, Chashiv it's as if it's sitting on the ground. I mean, basically your claim, which is that if it's stuck there, it's as if it's on the ground because it stopped. It's not going anywhere, and therefore it's like it's on the ground. That's the revised position. Rabbeinu Tam says that that's not sufficient. That if it's above three, you have to have four by four space to classify it as a settling on something. It has to land on something, and therefore Rabbeinu Tam says you need an area of significance. The revised says you do not need that. And that it's sufficient to land on the brick as long as it sees the ground. As long as it has the ability to be in line with the ground space, that's enough. Because it's as if it's settled on the ground, and that's fine. If it's three by three, it's still the ground. It's as if it landed on the Rishut Rabim. Anything below three Tvachim, it's as if it landed in Rishut Rabim. Love. I mean, here it's not exactly love, but here it's just because the Rabim will trample it. It'll just, it'll become a part of the normal topography of the Rishut Rabim. It works with the same principles of love, but it's really because it becomes part and parcel of Rishut Rabim. Even though people don't trample on it, they might. People aren't discerning about what's going on in the Rishut Rabim, so they stamp it on anything. It's there. Otherwise, you have to say what you're saying, which is the Batel, the Gabi Rishut Rabim, because it's within three Tvachim. Those are the two possibilities of explaining Ravashi. Amr Rabba Debe Rav Shila. Rabba of the basement of Rav Shila. Yatar Rav Dimi Amr Rav Yochanan. There's no Karmelit that is less than 4 by 4 Tfachim. Karmelit cannot be less than 4 by 4 Tfachim. We've mentioned this a number of times. Here you have it now spelled out, which is a Karmelit has to have at least 4 by 4 to be a significant location to be classified as a Karmelit. And that's to reach until 10 Tfachim. It's not clear here what that means. The Gemara is going to try to understand that statement of Rav Sheshit. My what does it mean that it has to reach until then? Only if you reach ten tefachim high mechitzot is that classified as a karmelit. And if not, lo havi karmelit, it's not a karmelit. Rashi takes this literally and says that you would have to have like a bik'ah that was mukaf, shalol dira karpaf, that was greater than two sad time that did not have residence in it. It would have to have a wall around it in order to be classified as a karmelit. Tosafot says, how could that be? On yesterday's daf, we saw both according to Ravashi and Ula, that is classified as a Rishut Yachid, not as a Karmelit. The Ri suggests that what we're speaking about here is that it has to be Ra'ui the Mechitzot, that's right. It has to have the ability to have Mechitzot that are ten fucking high around it, to exclude a case where it's Mesuchachet. It has some sort of covering over it that is less than a ten fucking which would never qualify as a Karmelit. So Rashi talks about it in the practical sense, it would have to have ten fucking high Mechitzot, Tosvot says that already is a Meishut Yachid Min Torah. How could you call that a Karmelit? Ella, it's talking about the theoretical ability to have ten Tvachim High Mechitzot around it to exclude a case where it is roofed somehow. Velo, is that really true? V'amar Megiddo Merav Chir Bar Yosef Amar Rav Bayich Ein Betocho Asara. The house that doesn't have ten Tvachim with inside of it, a Kruyav Meshlimo Lasara. And its ceiling makes up the ten. On the roof, you can carry anywhere you want. Inside of it, you can only carry it for a moat. So what you have here is a house that is less than ten tefachim high. It's four by four, obviously, because you can carry it for a moat here, but it's at least four by four tefachim. But it doesn't reach the ten tefachim high. If it was ten tefachim high, it becomes a rishuta yachid. And that's what happens on the roof. When you stand on top of it now, you have the requisite 10 Tfachim high and the 4x4 Tfachim. On top of it, it's considered to be a Rishuta Yachid, and you can carry whatever you want on top of it. Inside of it, you don't have the requisite 10 Tfachim. So that means it's not a Rishuta Yachid. But yet, it has the minimum 4x4, 
And what do we see? You're not allowed to carry more than Dalet Amot inside of it, which means that it's classified as a Carmelite. Well, here you see it's classified as a Carmelite, even though it doesn't have 10 Tefachim high. So to say that the minimum standard for Carmelite is 10 Tefachim high cannot be true. Because here we see explicitly that even when you're below 10 Tefachim, it has a classification of a Carmelite. So that can't be the explanation of Rav Sheshit's position or statement. Up to 10 Tvachim is classified as a Carmelite. The Malamiyud Tvachim, above 10 Tvachim, lo avi Carmelite. It's no longer a Carmelite. Now we're talking about here, in places that are, as Rashi says, Makom Shalom Misuyam, non-defined spaces. A Bik'ah, a Yam. Those areas are defined as a Carmelite. They only are a Carmelite up until the airspace of 10 Tvachim above them. Up to 10 Tvachim, they are considered to be a Carmelite. Above that space, they are no longer considered to be a Carmelite. Similar to Rishut Rabim. Just like Rishut Rabim is only Tofes Ad Yud, so to a Carmelite is only Tofes Ad Yud. Not here talking about again, about Makom Mesuyam, defined locations, because if it's 4x4 four four and above 10, then you're Rishut Yachid. Even in the Rishut Rabim, if you have a space that's 4x4 four four above 10, it's Rishut Yachid. So that can't be what we're talking about. The other possibility is that it's Below 10 and 4 by 4 that is a Carmelite. So we, we don't... This definition is always talking about areas that are not defined spaces. Big areas that are considered Carmelite, they only take their airspace up to 10 Tvachim. The Malam Yud Tvachim, above the 10 Tvachim area, lo avi Carmelite. V'chi ha, Darmele Shmuel, Rav So this is similar to what Shmuel said to his Talmud, Rav the sharp one. Lo ta'avi b'mile de shabta, l'malam yud. In area of Shabbat, don't be above 10. What was he speaking about? If you're going to tell me that Rishut Yachid doesn't have a space, is not classified as Rishut Yachid above 10 Tfachim, person drives a beam or some sort of pillar into the Rishut Yachid, and then they throw from Rishut Rabim, and it lands on top of it, even if it's a hundred amot off the ground, chayav, classified as Rishut Yachid, Mibnesh Rishut Yachid, Oleh goes up until the heavens. Rishut Yachid, the airspace of Rishut Yachid is the Rishut Yachid, period. So even though this pillar or this beam does not have 4 by 4 Tfachim in it, when it lands on top of it, you're still within the Rishut Yachid. You don't need 4 by 4 It's all considered Rishut Yachid. It's as if that whole area is classified as a Rishut Yachid. Ella, came Rishut Rabim What are you going to say that his statement here is that there is no Rishut Rabim above 10 Tfachim? Matanitani. That's a straight out Mishnah. That's not an Azurik, Dalad Amot Bikotel. Someone who throws four Amot and it hits the wall and sticks to the wall. The Malamiyut Tfachim, if it lands on the wall above 10 Tfachim, Kazurik Bavir. It's like it's in the air. The Matamiyut Tfachim is below 10 Tfachim, Kazurik Baritz. It's like landed on the ground. If it lands in the air, it's a Makom Ptur, and you're Patur. It lands on the ground, you're Chayav, because now you carry Dalad Amot in the Rishut Rabim. Ella, what's it referring to? A Carmelite. Ten Carmelite, Malamiyut. And that would be similar to what Rav Shesha just said before. Carmelite's airspace ends at 10 Tfachim. And here comes the basic definition, The Durabana, when they established the Carmelite, they took the leniencies of Rishut Yechid and the leniencies of Rishut Rabim. The leniencies of Rishut Yechid, If it's 4 by 4 Tvachim, it has a classification of Carmelite. Otherwise, it's a Makom Ptur. That was a statement of a Bayi 
By Rava said the Kulei Rishut Yachid apply here that you need a minimum of four by four tefachim. The second Kulei Rishut Rabim is Adiyut Tefachim Hudabiyah Carmelit. Until ten tefachim, the airspace is classified as a Carmelit. Lamalamiyut Tefachim Lavi Carmelit. Similar to a Shut Rabim, and that'll be Rav Sheshit. Rav Sheshit was giving us the Kulei Rishut Rabim. So by and Rava gave us the Kulei, the leniencies in Rishut Yachid of four by four, and Rav Sheshit made the second statement, which was Tofeset Adasara, which is the Kulei Rishut Rabim. Just like Rishut Rabim only goes up to ten tefachim, so too. Carmelit goes up only up to ten tefachim. It's a makom patur, just like Rishut Rabim. The same status as Rishut Rabim that above that ten tefachim will classify it as a makom patur. Gemara moves on gufa. The Gemara is going to keep doing this. It's going to keep doing a lot of this referencing back. We mentioned something in our discussion. Now we want to go back and investigate it. We're going to have a series of these, which is gufa. Amrav Gidom Arav, Chiyabar Yosef Amar Rav, Be'ayit She'im Letocho Yud, a house that doesn't have ten tefachim high within it, Ve'Turuyav. It's ceiling, makes it up to 10 tefachim on the go. If you're on top of it, you can carry around everywhere there. It's a reshut yachid up there. Inside of it, you can only move to alamot because it's classified as a carmelit on the inside. So now, if you dig out in the center of the room, you dig out 4 by 4 tefachim, by digging a tefach down, a four 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 space a tefach down, now you've made it that you have the tent, requisite ten tefachim that you need. Mutar the tatel bikulo. Then you can t- t- carry around the whole thing. My taima have a chorei rishute yachid because they become the space around that four by four tefachim space in the middle become like holes of rishute yachid. The chorei rishute yachid rishute yachid dami and holes of rishute yachid are like rishute yachid. That's your crawl space here. Crawl space is what's called chorei rishute yachid. If there is space that is adjacent to the rishute yachid, accessible through the rishute yachid. And the utility is for those people in the Rishut Yachid. They become an extension of the Rishut Yachid and are classified like a Rishut Yachid. Chori Rishut Yachid. So what happens here is, you have the center piece, which is 4 by 4 that's 10 Tfachim high now. Around it, you have a large area that's not 10 Tfachim high, that would otherwise be a Carmelite. But since they are considered to be extensions of the center Rishut Yachid, Chorei, things that are ut- have utility to the person or the Rishut Yachid in the middle, therefore they're classified like Rishut Yachid. And we are, Didmar, Chorei Rishut Yachid ki Rishut Yachid. I mean, if you have a wall that stands between Rishut Yachid and Rishut Rabim, if there are holes from the Rishut Yachid side, they're classified like Rishut Yachid. Chorei Rishut Rabim, if you have the holes that enter from the Rishut Rabim side, then we have a Machlok, the Bayamar ki Rishut Rabim dami, the Damu, they're like Rishut Rabim, Rabbi Amar, love Rishut Rabim Dami, and we'll explain that in one second, what their Machloket is. And what you have here is that, once I've classified or created a Rishut Yachid, then anything that extends off of the Rishut Yachid is, is part of the Rishut Yachid, or extension of the Rishut Yachid. What is it? You know, we have a crawl space that, um, has a door. So, I mean, but that's equivalent to Chorei Rishut Yachid. I mean, you could open and close the door. You have access to it from the Rishut Yachid. It should be like Chorei Rishut Yachid. Right, but you have the same thing there. You have the outer walls of the house enclosing it. Now you have an area that extends off your Rishut Yachid. It's like Chorei Rishut Yachid. So I think the crawl space would have the equivalent status of Chorei Rishut Yachid. What's interesting here, I'm bringing it up because just past Sukkot, Tosos asks, wait, by Sukkah this doesn't work. How come the Gemara in Sukkah says... If you have this exact situation in a sukkah, you have a sukkah that's ninth fachim high, that has schach on top, or you can place the schach at ninth fachim high. It's not a kosher sukkah, you need tenth fachim, a kosher sukkah. So what do you do? You carve out the tefach space in the middle, four by four fachim, and now you have a kosher sukkah, because you have the tenth fachim. The Gemara says that's only true if there's less than three fachim between that middle area that you carved out and the walls. 
So those who ask you, what, I don't understand. Over here, we say it doesn't matter how big the space is, and we say that, that the walls are part of their shetiachid. They basically make it into shetiachid. Well, you only have a tefach in that area in the middle. We're still saying the outer walls are creating the mechitzot for that middle area, no matter how far away they are. By sukkah, we're saying you have to have three tefachim. If it's not three tefachim away from the wall, it's not a sukkah anymore. Very good. So that's what basically answers what uh, Oni's pointing out here, which is that in sukkah you have you you need to have the walls touch the skach. The skach has to sit on the walls. So therefore, the walls have to be significant or connected to the area that is four by four. That's ten tefachim high. That area has to be somewhat adjacent to the walls or part of the walls because the walls then touch the skach, and that's relevant that the walls touch the skach. On the other hand. By us, like Ronnie's pointing out, the only issue is that it's an enclosed area. As long as it's an enclosed area, it takes on the status of a shuti We don't need the walls to touch the ceiling. We just need walls that are 10 tefachim high. So it's irrelevant how far they are away from that centerpiece, as long as there are those walls there, there are those mechitzot there. That would be the key distinction. Even though by sukkah we say that dalad amot is a dofen akuma, that if you go up and then you have four amot, a puzzle schach, a puzzle area there, that's considered to be a part of the wall. So how come over here we require three tefachim and not dalad amot? So the Gemara says it's a difference between whether you have mechitzot malyalto or not mechitzot malyalto. If you have a good wall, then you can have a dofen akuma for amot. Over here, you don't have a good wall. The area that's the tent fachim high is in the middle of the room. And you're now trying to extend out to the wall. Over there, you're not going to create a dofen akuma. Kashashka. could be a dofen akuma also. Kasha or pasoshka could be a dofen akuma. That area is less than tent fachim high. That's the problem. That area is not a kashashka area. So therefore, you're not going to say dofen akuma here where you're already making a halachic wall by saying that, oh, I have the middle space and then I'm trying to get the walls on the side to be included in that. And then I'm going to add Dauphin Akuma. You can't build Dauphin Akuma on top of a halachic wall. It can only start from re- realistic walls. When you have real walls, then you can have Dauphin Akuma. You who says that a hole in the wall facing the Rashid Rabbim is like Rashid Rabbim, Maishna Maha. Why is that different in this case? Before we said, what is the area of a Carmelite? The area of a Carmelite is this area where you have a Karen Zavit, that corner of the house where the Rabim go there, but it's not, it doesn't have ease of use. Why isn't that corner the similar to an extension of the Shutter Rabim? Just like if you have a chor, a hole into the wall, that's classified as a Shutter Rabim, why don't you say the same thing by this corner? That corner is no worse than Chorei Rishut Rabim. Okay, people don't walk there, but they can still utilize that area, and they can access it from the Rishut Rabim. So why is it any worse? It's a difference in the ability to utilize it. Over there, that's open space. Nobody's going to leave their things there. Nobody's going to store anything there. They'll get trampled, they'll get walked on, they'll get taken. Chorei Rishut Rabim are something that are, have ease of use. They're up off the ground. They won't get trampled. People can stick things in there. There's reasons... To say that that is much easier to utilize than the corner. So it's not. Mishnah. Zorik Daladamot Bekotel. We just mentioned this Mishnah before. You throw Daladamot Bekotel or Beam and then it sticks to the Kotel. The Malami Yud. If it's above, work is Zorik Be'avir. It's like throwing it in the air. The Matami Yud Tfachim below that is Zorik Baritz. Vavinam Ba. Let me answer it. Mike is Zorik Baritz. What does it mean? It's like throwing it on the ground. Halonach. It didn't land. So Amar Rabbi Yochanan Bidvela Shmeina Shano. We're talking about a fat pressed figs. And therefore, it's stuck to the wall because of its stickiness. When it says, have a much easier solution to your problem. If the holes in the wall are like a Rishut Rabim, just say it landed in one of those holes. Why are you saying that it had to stick to the wall in order to be Chayab? Set it up with a pebble or some object that lands in this court.
So the Gemara says gives two answers. Zimna mishani law. Sometimes he answered this way. Shani tsuar bechevitz demahader veati because they have bounce back. When you throw something that's not sticky against the wall, it doesn't settle in the wall. It bounces off the wall and comes out. So even if there's a whore, little whore, uh, hole there, it's going to hit there, ricochet out, and bounce away from it. It's not going to settle in there. That's just not the natural way of these objects. Zimnim mishani law. Other times I give the answer, but kultud lepechor. Talking about a wall that just doesn't have holes in it. How do you know that? How do you know a wall that doesn't have holes in it? Mimai, miniktani reishas, zorak lamala miyut fachim, kazorak babir. You throw it above that tent fachim, it's like throwing it into the air. Visakadatka bakultud bachor. If you're talking about walls that have holes in them, amai kazorak babir. Why is it like throwing it into the air? Hanach bechor. It lands in a hole. We're talking about a case here where the chor is less than 4 by 4 tzvachim. Therefore, it doesn't classify as a rishuti yachid. If you threw it above 10 tzvachim, and it lands in any hole over there, this is the machlok of Rameer believes that we carve out the area to look as if it's totally there. Rabbanon say no. I'll explain this in one second. Must be we're talking about a wall that doesn't have a chor in it. Rashi says the reason that we have to say that is that it's Stam Mishnah's Rabbi Meir here. And there we have a Stam Mishnah about the case where he threw it and stuck to the wall of the Develo. And if there was a chor there, then we'd have to subscribe to Rameer's opinion that Chokukim Lashlim. Chokukim Lashlim is a principle that is mentioned in Erevin and Menachot and other places, which is that if you don't have the requisite space that you need in order to make something either Chayav, a petach, a doorway, Chayav and Mezuzah, or you don't have an area that will be a Rishut Yachid. We look at the area as if it's carved out. If you have a certain minimum amount there that is the area, then we look as if the area expands even into the solid areas. For instance, in a mezuzah situation, you have doorposts that go up, but they don't reach the requisite ten tefachim. And it starts to have an archway that bends inward. So over there, you'd be patur mezuzah, because you don't have the requisite space for a doorway. On the other hand, Rabbi Meir says, we look at the archway as if it doesn't exist. We look as if we carve out that archway, make it into a squared out area, and you are chayav and mezuzah. Over there, Rabbi Meir says you have to have a minimum of three tfachim high off the ground. The doorposts have to at least start off three tfachim to separate it from the ground in order to say chukim lashlim, which makes this very problematic over here. Over here, the Gemara seems to think that it was a chor koshu, a little chor, and Rabbi Meir says chukim lashlim. We carve it out and say as if it's a rishut yachid, no matter what. Right, what do you chukeg here? How do you know what the space is? How do you know how to expand it? So that's what Rashi says it all has to do with Rabbi Meir, Shito, and because it's a Stam Mishnah. The Tosafot disagrees and says that can't be, because Rabbi Meir only says Chukim Lashmalim when you have some minimum shiur that allows you to expand it to get to you the requisite shiur that you need. So you need at least something there. So Tosafot claims that these holes are actually 4 by 4 Tzvachim wide on the Rishut Yachid side, and they narrow as they get to the Rishut Rabim side. So that's what the Chukim Lashmalim is, because on the Rishut Yachid side, they are 4 by 4 Tzvachim, and it is a Rishut Yachid. As they reach the Rishut Rabim, they narrow. So now the Chukim Lashlim is to make it as if the thing is totally wide out to the Rishut Rabim, and that's what the Chukim Lashlim is here. And that's why it's a Rishut Yachid, four Tfachim deep, and narrows into a triangle, correct, as it reaches the Rishut Rabim. Right, right, exactly. In the old city, the walls around the old city that narrow as they go outward. So now, above ten Tfachim, those are considered to be Chorei Rishut Yachid. But if they're below Asara, then the Rishut Yachid, people on the Rishut Yachid side don't use them because then it's no Achlu Rishut Rabim. The people in Rishut Rabim will use them. So when it's below 10 Tavachim, they're not considered to be real holes because people outside will use them because it's below 10 Tavachim, we said it's part of the Rishut Rabim. And since they're going to utilize them, the people on the Rishut Yachid side don't use them. 
above ten tefachim, where the Rishut Rabbim said won't use them, then the Rishut Yachid side do use them, and therefore we say Chokim Lashlim if it lands in that hole above the ten tefachim, and it's as if it landed in there. So that's why we know that the case is not talking about a case of Chorim, of holes. Because if it was that case, you would have Machlokah Rabbi Meir and the Chachamim about the holes above ten tefachim, and if that's the case, then why didn't that get mentioned at all? Why isn't that relevant to the case? The fact that the mission doesn't mention it at all shows you that we're not talking about a wall with holes in it. The mission should have introduced there's a problem here. Small Yeah, exactly. If there's small holes, everybody gives it a makom tour. And that even Rabbi Meir would agree to. And the Chachamim would agree to. If it's 4 by 4 everybody agrees it's Rishud Yachid. The question is, if it's a, like this narrowing part of holes, over there, one side is Rishud Yachid, the other side is a question whether you're Chokim Lashlim or not. If it's Chokim Koshu, then it'd be Makom Tor going to everybody, and there'd be nothing to discuss here. Since there's no location for it to be Nacha'an, for it to settle upon, it's a Makom Tor, then why below 10 Tefachim are you Chayav? It didn't settle into a place that's Dalai by Dalai Tefachim. So the case can't be a case of Chor Koshu, because of below 10 Tefachim. Can't be a case of greater than 4 Tefachim, because everybody agrees that's Rishud Yachid. So that can't be the solution to the problem. Solution to the problem has to be these wider holes that have at least 4 by 4 tefachim that we say chokim lashlim. But there you have machokat rabbi meir and chachamim. That should have been mentioned, at least in the Mishnah. Right, because then where's that? Where, why isn't that mentioned? Why don't we have any information about that? So the fact is that it must be talking about a wall that just doesn't have holes in it. And that's why you have to come up with this village shmeinah. And that's why it's not a question on the position of Abaye that chori rishut rabim or ke rishut rabim dami. Not much shorter that they when they store things they don't want to have things that are at eye level you're not going to put there put it below where people aren't going to see it easily so you put it down below where people aren't going to really see it it's out of the reach out of the normal spectrum of where people are looking so you store it over there on the inside you want it you'll do it at near eye level you'll do it above ten tefachim which makes more sense. Now, Gufa, again, we mentioned something, so now we want to come back and investigate it. Amrav Chista, Nats Kaneb, Birshut Yachid, person plants a beam or some sort of pillar in the Birshut Yachid, Zerak Nachal Gabav, lands on top of it, Afilu Gvah Me'ama, it's a hundred motol, Chayab, Mifnei Shirut Yachid, Ola Adarakia. Lame Rav Chista, Damar Kirabi. Let's say Rav Chista subscribes to Rabbi's position, Tatanya. Zerak Benach Agabiziz. We saw this earlier, we brought this earlier in the Mesechta. Throw something and it lands on some sort of protrusion from the wall. Culture, Rabbi Mechayev, Rabbi says you're Chayav, Chachamim Putrim, the Chachamim say you're Patur. So the Havamina here is that we think it's a Rishut Yachid. And Rabbi says that even a Koshu is a Rishut Yachid. He threw it through the Shut Rabbim and it lands on this projection out of the wall. So we're thinking now that a Rishut Yachid is any Koshu as long as it's in the airspace of the Rishut Yachid. And Chachamim say Patur. If it was a Rishut Yachid, everybody would agree, Kedar Avchista. The Rishut Yachid goes out of Rakia. That's not the question here. This is what we said before. Like we're going to explain later on, this Makloket, according to Abaye, which is that you have a tree that's sitting, the trunk of the tree is in Rishut Yachid, and the branches extend into the Rishut Arabim. Over there we say, and it lands on the branches. We said the branches are drawn after the base, the trunk of the tree. We don't have the branches connect back to the original trunk. Again, this Machokot Rashi and Tosafot, what this means, Rashi says that the branches are like they're in Rishut Rabim because they now have 4 by 4 space. Why do they have 4 by 4 by space? Because they're an extension of the trunk. So they're not extension of the trunk to be classified as Rishut Yachid. They're an extension of the trunk to gain this 4 by 4 Tafachim space 
And now, since they're, they're in the Rishut Therabim, they have a classification of Rishut Therabim. Tazot says, that can't be. If they're in the Rishut Therabim, and they're attached to this trunk, they are like the trunk, and they become like a Rishut Yachid. And that's the argument here. Is the branch a Rishut Yachid or not a Rishut Yachid? Is it an extension of the trunk or not? Everybody gives you Chayav when it's in the airspace of Rishut Yachid. That we're not talking about. Everybody agrees to that. The only question is, these branches that extend from a trunk in Rishut Yachid into Rishut Rabim. Over there, Rabbi says you're Chayav, the Chamim say you're Patur. Rabbi says you're Chayav because the branches have the status of the trunk, and the Chachamim say you're Patur, the branches are independent of the trunk. But how is Rashi Tosu? Rashi Tosu say, what are you Chayav for? That's the difference between them. Rashi says you're Chayav for a moat in Rishut Rabim. Because it landed on something that's in the Rishut Rabim. Tosavet says, Rabbi Yehuda thinks you're Chayav for landing in Rishut Yachid, because it's part of the trunk now. It's an extension of the trunk, it's as if it landed in the Rishut Yachid. We don't say Shtei Nofo Bartar Gikaro. The branches are independent of the trunk. You don't have an arba arba. You don't have a nach. You don't have it settling on a place. Okay, we'll stop over here.